Hello, and welcome back to week two of the podcast. Once again, I'm joined by John Hess. Um, thanks for coming on, John. Happy to be here. Um, first off, just want to get a couple of things out of the way first. Uh, apologies for the last podcast. It kind of cut off abruptly. But as I mentioned before, we are kind of on a schedule of 60 minutes with the app I'm using to record these. So that came really quickly. So we barely got everything in. I couldn't even have a closeout sentence or two. So apologies for that. Hopefully we get the time scheduled down better going forward so we won't have that issue anymore. Secondly, this was brought to our attention as well, but Dustin actually brought us to our attention. We did not recognize him as winning the championship last year in our league. Um, maybe that was by decision. We want to puff up his ego, but uh, Dustin, congrats on the win. It was actually one of the few wins in our league re- recently where the team that dominated the regular season actually dominated the playoffs as well. Yes. So, congrats to Dustin. His grandpa of our league. Yes, that is true. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I want to give a shout out to Dustin for that. Um, and on a kind of switching to the football note, um, one thing I have to bring up first is the Zeke tattoo. I mean, seriously. He scored his first touchdown, pulls up his shirt, I was watching it live, and it says, feed me. So I actually had to go back, went online, I was like, does that really read what I said it? Like what I thought? And boy, it says feed me, and it's not small either. I mean, it is massively all written across his stomach. Great choice for fantasy, poor choice for life. <laughs> totally agree. I mean, yeah, if you're a Zeke fan, you love that mentality. He wants the ball. He wants to score. So we'll see how it plays out. But man, I just could not get over that tattoo. Just, I mean, it kind of wants make, makes me want to get one. And so, but then it's like show my wife whenever I'm hungry just to feed me. That's kind of like my, my sign. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so we're going to jump in here and talk about week one of the NFL. Um, kind of get my thoughts, John's thoughts, kind of maybe some things that surprised us, maybe some dis- disappointments, um, kind of on a high-level basis. But, man, it was so good to have football back on TV. I uh, got Red Zone again this year. Amazing channel, commercial-free. Nice little plug here for Red Zone. It was amazing um it was great it was so great to have football back on tv sunday afternoon uh even thursday night but uh i guess one thing that stuck out to me was how good green bay was just aaron Rodgers. i mean part of me thinks this is i mean people have said it before his revenge tour people have been trashing him they're going to move on from him he's going to be on a new team next year whether or not that's true or not, it's kind of up for debate. But man, he was rolling. Had some ridiculous throws. Devontae Adams, amazing. Even Aaron Jones got into action. So to me, that was kind of my biggest surprise. Um, kind of one of my biggest takeaways is how good they could be this year. And are they a potential Super Bowl winning team? So that was kind of one of my takeaways. John, what did what, what, you take away? You went with the positive, so I'll go with the negative. How bad are the Browns? Oh my goodness! With with so many good players, they just looked awful. 
and I feel like fantasy wise, you can't trust anyone on that team. The other the other team that I was really disappointed in, uh, expecting so much more from, and not a team, I guess, but a position group, because the team looked amazing, which was the Ravens. Mm. But the running back for the Ravens, Whew. putting under 100 yards total. In a game where they dominated. And... Mark Ingram scores like two and a half points. And J.K. Dobbins would have scored similar had he not had two touchdowns. It's true. So I, I was kind of blown away by that just because I thought one of those guys was going to have a huge game give back of the score. So those were my two takeaways from week one. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different storylines we could we can dive into. Uh Man, so many question marks. Yeah, just a lot going on. First week, there's actually a lot happening. And I guess one thing we want to touch on first is there were some pretty big injuries in week one. Um, and the one that kind of stuck out to me, not to be selfish in this, but I, as a Jonathan Taylor owner running back for the Colts, the Mac injury was massive. I mean, he was getting a lot of the carries. I mean, they were working in Hines and Taylor, but Mac was the main guy. Um, and he goes down with now we know a Achilles injury and he's out for the rest of the year. So yeah, it's obviously big fantasy wise. I feel bad for Matt because he was I think he's in the contract year, so he wanted to have a good year, um, get a new contract. So you feel bad for him. But what does this mean for Hines and Taylor? Yeah, I think we're gonna get this later on um, in a later segment on the podcast, but I think it it definitely blows up the value of Taylor, and there's no question in my mind he's a healthy RB2 option and has a chance to be an RB1. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of that will depend on how things play out with how Hines works into that, but we'll talk about that more later. Yep. Yeah, I was hoping watching that Colts game that we'd get some clarity on the backfield situation. But again, we'll touch on this later, and I don't think we got too much clarity besides the Mac injury. Another running back that kind of seems to be injured quite often, gets dinged up, exits games, will start the next game, leave midway through the second quarter, not to be seen from again. He always just seems to be dinged up, and that's James Conner. Like, can the dude stay healthy? Um oh. In this moment, that I actually some predicted this. The only problem is Le'Veon Bell also got hurt. That is true. So it looks like Connor's injury is not super significant. So hopefully he'll be back soon. But Snell did look good. Dude, yeah, I'm totally like Snell. Like you watch, watching them both when they were healthy playing. Even just looking at them, I thought Snell was the better running back. Um, just I did not watch the first part of the game, so I did not see Connor play at all. But Snell looked good. Yep, so so how much time Connor misses, I guess, is still I guess, up for debate. Um, we're still kind of waiting to hear. He's, obviously, the teams are kind of secretive with injuries. 
So it'll be interesting to see if he misses this week or next week, what kind of, if it lingers, and then how that plays out with the rest of the backfield in Pittsburgh. Um, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. I mean, full back for the guy. He's seemed like he's playing hard, wants to contribute for a really, really bad Jets team. But, dude, I told you this in the last podcast. He was a grandpa, and this is what happens to grandpas. They get injured, and they get injured often. Um, so I think this one was a hamstring. Uh, I saw him, I was actually watching Red Zone this when he got hurt, and it looked like he maybe just tweaked it a little bit. For, so for him to go on IR for at least, so I guess that means at least three weeks, he's going to be out. Was a bit of a surprise just watching the game. He kind of just seemed like he tweaked it, maybe take a couple of days off of practice, you know, be back. But man, you just ever wonder if we will ever see even 75% of the old Le'Veon Bell, or if maybe this is kind of it for him? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think what we don't realize is that Le'Veon Bell is still only 28. Mm. So there's still a shot that this guy comes back. He has a lot of miles on the tires. Yeah. So... I'm still holding out hope, but obviously with those soft tissue injuries, it's just risky for the whole rest of the year. Yeah. Let's see. I, if you had told me he was 28, if you had given me two options that he was either 28 or 35, I would take 35 10 out of 10 times. The dude just, I feel like he's been in the NFL for so long. Always, I guess his name was just always in front of you when he was in Pittsburgh in the offense. So the fact that he's that young is actually really surprising me even right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there is more run in him. But I think this season will kind of determine which way the rest of his career will go. Um, another running back that we'll get to that's kind of not as prominent as a big name, I guess, as other running backs, um, Philip Lindsay. But the reason I wanted to bring him up is I think this will have a big impact on Melvin Gordon and his value and his impact for the Broncos. Um, I watched, oddly enough, I was not planning on watching this game because it was, I think, a 10.30 kickoff um, Eastern time. I normally go to bed between 11 and 12. But being in the Fantasy Football League, I was playing against someone that had Henry, close game, so I ended up staying up until 1.30 and watching the entire game. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. So when I saw Philip Lindsay get hurt, I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I mean, Gordon has fancy impact, but I think having Lindsay out just increases that. He did lose a fumble, which was a really bad fumble in the moment. But I think he's going to be the guy for at least three to four weeks. Um, so I think if he was on my team, I would feel okay about playing him these next three or four weeks. I, I would feel okay, okay about that. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that what you saw in that game, I watched a portion of it, is exactly what you can expect from Melvin Gordon. Some big plays, flashes of brilliance, and ridiculous fumbles. (laughs) That is what you can expect from Gordon. And so I think if you have him, then you definitely have to consider him at least at the flex position yeah. moving forward with Lindsay out. Yep. No, I agree. 
Two other injuries I want to touch on. These are pass catchers. And a one that's kind of a player that's kind of raising concerns for me um, is George Kittle, tight end for San Francisco. Dude, I love the dude. The dude's a a monster. He plays so hard. He feels like every time he may get dinged up, he's back out there. But I feel like over the last last year, it kind of became a thing, and now starting the year this year, like I kind of getting banged up. I wonder if he just his style of play plays into the fact that it may lead to more injuries. So when I saw him hurt his knee again. He hurt it similarly last year. I don't. I mean, he may not even miss any games, maybe one or two. But does his past little nicks, bruises, getting dinged up, and now seeing this week one, getting his knee banged up, does that raise concerns for you? Absolutely. You look at some of the best tight ends that we've seen in the NFL and how quickly their line can happen. You look at guys like Vernon Davis, Rob Gronkowski, these guys. The thing that you have to remember about the tight end is that they're a hybrid lineman as well. So their body is taking way more punishment than a wide receiver. So that is concerning for Kittle. He has been injured a lot. And you wonder if at some point he's never able to get back to the level that he was at because these these guys only have a, a certain window and you try and milk it as long as you can and the cliff can be pretty steep especially for the tight end position yeah 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 it will be interesting to see if he misses time i think they i read today that they're gonna give him the whole week off from practice and then see if he can play on sunday so That'll be interesting to kind of see how his knee heals, how he's feeling. But something I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Um, Lastly, maybe the biggest name of all the injuries is Michael Thomas. And this is actually really weird because it happened at the very end of the game. The Saints kind of had the game in control. And he basically got rolled up on by Kamara. And at the time, I thought, oh, he just kind of got dinged up. And it comes out after the game that he sprained his knee. I mean, he sprained his ankle. And now at... Further down the line, they're like, it's a high ankle sprain. Whenever I hear high ankle sprain, I think, that's not good. That could potentially turn into a season-long injury. So my biggest question is, will the Saints just say, you know what, we're going to shut you down for two or three weeks, let it get better, and then we'll have you for the rest of the season? Or are they going to say, you know, kind of if he feels like playing, he can play. And knowing Michael Thomas, he already says he wants to play. He's not going to miss any games. So for me, that's going to be... Very interesting to see how that transpires to see if, if he plays this week or even the next week, or if they say they're gonna put him on IR, have him miss three weeks, and then have him come back potentially fully healthy. So, I don't know if you're the Saints head man, what, what, what do you think? I think there is wisdom in shutting him down when you circle this back. The fantasy side of things, which is what we're discussing, I think the bigger concern for Michael Thomas is that he scored so few points playing almost the entire game. So the, the Saints offense, honestly, I watched a portion of this game, did not really look like it had great rhythm. They, they obviously scored a lot of points, 
Kamara had some pretty big plays, but he did not look good as a rusher. Um, Latavius Murray actually looked better as a straight rusher. Yep. But their defense is legit. And yeah. so if I'm the head guy, I try and ride the defense to get my team healthy because this is kind of the last Hail Mary for the Saints to win with Drew Brees. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. No, you make a good point. That yeah, I'm week one's always interesting because it's a balance of trying to get a feel for what a team's doing and not overreacting because it is the first game of the season. So you don't know how much of it's rust, how much of it's just like a game plan against a certain team. They've had all off-season to prepare for this one team. How does that affect things? So it's, yeah, first week is always trying to find a balance of figuring out what's going on, who's in the right place, who's in a good situation, and then if something bad happens, not overreacting, or if something good happens, not overreacting and um, on that side as well. Um, I'm trying to pull this up right now. Whose team is... Uh... Michael Thomas on. He is on oh, here he is. Hilton's team. Yep. 3.2 points. Yeah. Three catches on five targets. Right. And that's... I've, yeah, he was a number one receiver t- taken off the board. So, I mean, I don't think he had the game that bad all of last year. Just, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty educated guess, I would think. So, so yeah, I mean... If you're a Michael Thomas owner, maybe some concern, but again, week one, don't overreact. He still should be one of the top receivers in the league, but again, time will tell. Um, now again, I just want to get into some other storylines and going to go back to Thursday night's game, uh, the Chiefs and Texans. I had kind of some good, pretty good expectations for this game. I thought the Texans' offense, I know they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, but I thought, you know what, they still have weapons. I think David Johnson did the mix. They've got Brandon Cooks. The receivers are fast. I thought that would kind of fit in well with Deshaun Watson's style. He has to throw it deep. Um, and the Chiefs aren't the best defense. Um, so I was really surprised. Deshaun Watson just looked really off to me. Um I don't know if it's just a new offense, if he just missed his security blanket in DeAndre Hopkins or what. But the whole game, he just looked off, didn't know where to throw it. It just kind of out of sync. The only person he really had any type of rhythm with was Fuller. So, and I, I don't know, that offense, I don't know how long it will take them to get on track. But for me, I they were not as good as I expected them. And... I watched that game. I'm like, they're not gonna. They can't win that division. Um, obviously, things can change, but my gut reaction after watching that game was, man, Texans just not nearly as good as I thought. Yeah, I think that you can't overestimate the loss of someone like Hopkins. David Johnson, it part really did what you could have expected from him uh, in getting the touchdown decent line across the board caught some passes and if you have Will Fuller which you do in our league you have to be accepted because it wasn't just the Will Fuller bomb show Yeah, it was Will Fuller on the slant Will Fuller on the crossing drag route whatever 
he was being targeted early and often. And so you've got to be really excited about that. I think the big fantasy-wise is Deshaun Watson may not put up like what we're used to. But you also have to remember that you you knew they were going to have to score a lot of points, Mm. which meant they were going to have to pass more. And the Chiefs have a decent pass rush. Um, So that part of their defense, I feel like, is okay. And we'll just have to see a couple more weeks before any final verdict for sure. But I think the person who suffers the most is Watson. Yep. And just like kind of an extra note on this game, that if you're watching the game, it's so funny how watching a regular game and then seeing the fantasy points at the end of a game, it can be so different. If you're watching the game, you think, oh my goodness, Chiefs dominated, Mahomes was awesome, amazing. But then when you look at the fantasy points at the end of the game, Deshaun Watson actually outscored Mahomes. Which, right. when I saw that, I was like, man, that's incredible. It just shows the value of jump time points. I mean, they were out of the game midway through the third quarter. It was basically over. But he did end up scoring quite a few points late in the game, which, as we all know, changes outcomes of our fantasy matchups. Um, yeah. Another, I think this is maybe, I thought about touching on this earlier when I was thinking about some of my biggest takeaways from week one. But this was kind of, a, after Green Bay was kind of my second biggest takeaway was the San Diego backfield. I did. I just got to be honest. I did not see that coming. Um, everyone was talking about Eckler's going to be the guy. I know we talked about Eckler earlier, like before in the draft, and you had your reservations. I was kind of more on board. Um, and it's still, obviously, things can change. But I was just, I, I mean, I heard of the guy named Kelly, but thought, okay, maybe he'll come in for a series or two. And I thought Jackson would actually be mainly be the main sub. But it turned out to be that Kelly got a ton of touches, looked good. Eckler wasn't really involved in the passing game. Um, so to me, that was a huge surprise. If I drafted Eckler, which I did not, thankfully, if I'm an owner of Eckler, I I think there's some concern there. There absolutely has to be concern. Uh, I've heard people talk about this and say, well, the passing side's going to come. He's always been a receiver. And my biggest concern for San Diego, or I guess now Los Angeles, I need to get used to saying that, is that you have Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback. Yep. Your expectation for the offense of the Chargers cannot be the same. And I wanted no part of Austin Eckler just because of where he was going in drafts and the money that was being spent on him. He went in our draft for $45. We're talking the same ballpark as people like Josh Jacobs. No. So when you're looking at that type of comparison, um, I don't know that you're going to, like, would you take Austin Eckler over David Johnson? No. How about somebody like Melvin Gordon? Oof. It's a question. So you think about that and you think about the money that was spent on those different guys. And the positive for you, you have Austin Eckler, like this is his stat line 
19 carries. So I don't think he's ever had that in his career. <laughs> Maybe he has. But he carried the ball nine times. But he had one catch yeah. for three yards. And you were hoping for five or six for sure. Yeah. So we'll see. It's week one. But I did not want any part of Eckler. And this, like weeks like this, exactly why. Like he carried the ball 18 times and he scored nine points in fantasy. Yeah, that's just you're not used to seeing that from Eckler, um, but I think what you the point you made of there being a change in quarterbacks is a direct cor- correlation of the lack of targets. Um, so yeah, I mean, Eckler obviously could still have good value. Um, makes you wonder if someone like Kelly, if he's going to be more involved. But yeah, yeah, that was a surprise for me. Another surprise to me was that. The Giants' offensive line didn't even show up to the football game. I mean, I watched this game as a Saquon Barkley owner thinking, oh man, here we go, it's going to be the Saquon show. And the dudes could not block anyone. I mean, I think I could have crawled through their legs and got Saquon in the backfield. I mean, it was so bad. I mean, I know Pittsburgh's defense is solid. I mean, they're one of the top defenses in the league. It is good. But... I mean, I'm not going to lie, midway through the third quarter, he had negative rushing yards. He had like eight carries, negative six yards. And I'm sitting here thinking, I spent $72 on Saquon. I was just like, boy. Um, I mean, I know he only needs one rush. I mean, he has that, that capability of taking any carry or pass to the house. But, oh, my goodness. That was, for me, it concerning um, I'm trying not to overreact to it, but I, I just haven't seen. I mean, he wasn't like he was. He was getting the handoff and immediately getting tackled. You know, I don't know if it's just missed assignments, the offensive line just not being on the same page, whatever. Maybe Saquon ticked him off and they didn't want to block for him. I don't know, but man, that was huge disappointment. I think your pro that you have to look at is he caught quite a few passes. I'm pulling up his line right now. He has six receptions for six PR. He was targeted nine times. So they're trying to get him the ball almost 25 times in that game. So the, the volume is there. The concern piece is this guy could be inconsistent due to no fault of his own. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean the offense. I had good hopes for the offense, and the, I, I'm still hopeful for them. But. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, you have Barkley. You're gonna keep him. Um, you just hope better days are ahead. You hope the offensive line, gets on the same page, decides to block somebody. Uh, Barkley maybe needs to take him out for lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever it takes. Um, but yeah, we'll see. He probably needs to get a tattoo that says. <laughs> I would love that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, another surprise to me, we're going to go kind of switch it up and go to team, team routes. Um, I had pretty high expectations. I shouldn't say high. Decently good expectations for the Eagles and Colts. And, yeah, they fell flat. Um, so my question to you, 
did we overestimate the Eagles and Colts, or maybe did we underestimate the Jaguars and Washington football team? So we'll start with the Eagles. I think that we probably did overestimate them in the sense of think about who uh, Carson Wentz is throwing the ball to. That's a good point. He doesn't have Aguilar anymore. He didn't have Alshon Jeffrey. Um, I think their new draft pick was still kind of banged up. I think he played, but didn't have much of an impact. This is why Dallas Goddard just blew up. Yeah. Like he's a good player, no question. But can you expect that really every week from him if Carson Wentz has more weapons? I don't know. So I think we overestimated them in the sense that we didn't realize how banged up they were. They didn't have Miles Sanders. Their run game looked pretty bad. Yeah. And Carson Wentz had note the offensive line looked really poor. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was basically the only guy out there. Yeah, that's true. Or, or the Colts, I actually expect better days ahead. Um, the uh, the Jaguars did this to us last year. Got off to somewhat of a, a hot start. Minshew mania. And then somewhat fell flat. And the Washington football team, who knows? I, th- I think this is maybe one of the biggest question marks of the season, is how can this pretty young team with a pretty good defense, how can they do over the course of the year with guys like Haskins, McLaurin, um, and whatever running back ends up stepping up to fill the void, which we didn't really have answered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, being yeah, Washington I think just has as you mentioned lots of question marks that we'll get answered at some point we hope but may take a few games. Um, yeah, now we kind of want to change gears a little bit. Uh, we're kind of going to do a overreaction factor fiction little segment here. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna I'm gonna pose some questions and we're gonna give our response of what we think will happen. First one. Josh Jacobs will lead the league in rushing touchdowns. I'm going to say fact. This offense is solid, and John Gruden wants to run the football. I don't know that he trusts Derek Carr enough in the red zone. (laughs) So he wants to pound the rock, and there's really not a second guy in Oakland, Las Vegas now. Man, I gotta learn my uh, team cities. <laughs> Las Vegas, that's gonna snipe the goal line touchdowns. I mean, he scored three. I think it's possible that this guy could score 20 touchdowns this year. Their offense is decent enough, and they may score 30 to 35 as a team, and he may score half of them. Yeah. So I'm saying, I'm saying fact. And 
Oddly enough, I, I agree. I would say fact as well. Um, yeah, I just think, again, what you said, the volume is going to be so high. And and totally agree about what you said about Derek, uh, Carr not being trusted in the red zone. I think they're going to hand the ball off a ton when they're in the red zone, and Jacobs will, will just get so many, so many opportunities. Um, next question. This one may be a surprise to some, but I'm going to have to pose it. Phillip Rivers will not be the starting QB in Indianapolis by week seven. This is Dr. Seuss fiction. <laughs> there is not a chance in the world, unless he gets injured, that someone else will start for the Colts this year besides Phillip Rivers. You do not go out and get a quarterback uh, of the caliber of Phillip Rivers unless you're willing to ride him to the end. He's got history with Frank Wright. I said this before. I think the Colts are going to get a lot better as the year goes on. Um, I would be interested in buying low on any Colts players, like receivers. The running backs are in a fine spot now, so you're probably not going to get them for a bargain. But people like Mike Pittman, Harris Campbell, even Jack Doyle, I would look for those guys as the year goes on to just get stronger and stronger. I think it's absolute fiction. I I, I gotta say fact, and here's my reasoning. The dude just turns the ball over so much and in that offense, they're so they predicate everything on running the football, time of possession, and when you're constantly having two, three intercepting games, that just totally disrupts their flow, their game plan. And I don't know if if his 25 kids just exhaust him or what, but the dude just looks tired all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's... He's also yelling out, dead gum horse mess. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and and Brissette's the backup, and he's been there. I mean, mildly successful, was okay. So that's why I think there is definitely some fact in that statement next one and I actually I love this one Cam had his best fantasy game of the season this last week in week one so this is obviously personal because I have Cam but I think it's absolute fiction as well because Cam threw for let me pull this up real fast Cam threw for 155 yards. Now, he rushed for 75 and two touchdowns, but would we really be all that surprised if he rushed for two touchdowns and threw two touchdowns while under the tutelage of the hood? (laughs) And submit that we would not be by that. So I think it's fiction. I think he's actually going to have a really good season because Belichick is going to play to his strengths and game plan in such a way that just allows him to flourish. And I think you saw this a little bit, even on the flip side for Brady, of Arians trying to get Brady to do some things that weren't his strong suit, like throwing halfway across the field out in the flat and it's returned for a touchdown. Um, So... I'm saying it's fiction. I think Cam's going to have several weeks, actually, that will be better than this. Honestly, I went back and forth on this one. 
just because he did have the two rushing touchdowns. And I'm hesitant as to whether or not New England will consistently put him in that position multiple games. Um, just because I think their backup quarterback situation, whoever stepped in would just be a disaster. Um, but I, I, I probably, if I had to choose one, I would probably agree with you that I think I don't, I'm not as confident as you are that that's a definite fiction, but I will lean fiction. Um, so let me ask you this. How many times did a running back in New England score three or more touchdowns? Mm. Quite a bit. I mean, and yeah. Talking about guys like Brandon Bolden. Yeah. Sony Michelle. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of these other dudes who just would snipe these one yard touchdowns. Yeah. Garrett Blunt. Yeah. So if you're at the one yard line, you're not handing it off anymore. Your QB's thinking it. So I think he's got to score big because Cam is the number one running back in New England. But how long can he do that is the question. How long do they want to put him in situations knowing that the season in New England basically rides on if Cam can stay healthy and produce? Fair, fair question. That is the question. And that has been the question for Cam's career. Yep. Yeah, so we both agree on that one. But like, you're asking as one game better than this and I think he absolutely does I lean yes but I don't think it's as clear cut as you do um, next one and I actually I love this question as well Austin Eckler will not be the Chargers highest scoring running back meaning that either Kelly Jackson or someone else so assume they all they play this whole season that one of the other running backs will outscore him in fantasy this year Wow, this one is tough because, as I stated before, I don't really like Eckler. But I'm not sure that there is a point order in San Diego's offense at the running back position beat him. So I'm going to say fiction. But this is the most hesitant of my statements to this point. Yeah, I would agree, and I'm actually a little more confident than you. I, I just think he'll get more involved. He may not get as many passes, but I think he's still going to be the guy. I don't know. Kelly, he is a rookie, so how much does he know the offense? It may not matter if he just gets goal, the goal line carries. We'll see, but I would say fiction as well. Last one in this section Allen Robinson will be in a different uniform in three weeks. This is a tough one, huh? This is tough. I'm going to say fiction. I think that there is a chance that he gets signed to a long-term deal in the middle of the season. Um, but a lot of this is going to hang on where the Bears are in the standings. Mm. And currently, so yeah. let's go, let's go Bears. <laughs> yeah, I so, mean, right now I'm going to say fiction. 
Yeah, this is tough because they want Trubisky to work so bad. So they want to have the weapons around him. And obviously Allen Robinson is a great talent. But I wonder if they give it a few more games and they've decided, okay, Trubisky's not the guy. So what's the point of having around this really good wide receiver who is going to take up so much payroll if maybe in the offseason they want to spend money maybe going after a good quarterback or different weapons? So I think there's, this is kind of a toss-up for me. Um, but I think in the end, the Bears front office is so concerned about having Trubisky work that they're going to sign Allen Robinson to try to make the playoffs this year. So I think he'll get extended this year. I think it'll be a short-term deal to get him through the next couple of years. But yeah, I, but I say that saying I would not be surprised if he got traded. So we'll see. We'll give it a couple of weeks. Um, okay, next segment. I, th- I love this segment. It's probably my favorite one of the, this whole podcast. We're gonna, I'm going to give you two names of players on the same team. You have to pick one for the rest of the year, depending on your team. So, first off, Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones? Falcons wide receivers. You pick one. Who do you take? I'm taking Ridley, and it's not based on talent. It's based on touchdowns. I think Julio is one of the greatest freak receivers we've ever seen. But for whatever reason, the man struggles to find the end zone. So I'm taking Ridley. I went back and forth on this one. I'm still going to take Julio. This would probably be the last year I would take Julio. I just think, I mean, Julio is going to get the ball a lot. I think touchdowns come more this year than they have in the past. I kind of think Matt Ryan may actually force it to him a little bit. I know week one wasn't a reflection of that. But I I probably would take Julio in this one. Next one, we're going to go to the Cleveland backfield. Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt? So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this two ways, and if that's unfair, I can get punished for it later. Uh, go for it. I'm I am sticking with Nick Chubb this next week. If if Chubb struggles this next week, I want Kareem Hunt. So that's my that's my choice. This next week, I want Chubb, and if he's back to his normal. I'll ride him to the end of the year. But there there was some concern for me this past week that Hunt could take over a larger role than he has played to this point, meaning Chubb will get left out more. Yeah. I this is this one's really tough for me as well. I'm uh, I'm. I would probably say Hunt just for the sake of there's a new coaching staff. They just signed Hunt to an extension, and honestly, I think his style fits more with what Cleveland wants to do. So I would probably lean Hunt on this, but it's close. I mean, I. I and thing is, if I have either of these guys, I'm having a tough time playing them for at least a couple of weeks just because. As you said, you don't know what's going to happen. 
who do you who do you think has a better chance of scoring a touchdown this next week? Hunt or Chubb? I would say Chubb just because I would figure he'd be the red zone running back. But with Baker Mayfield throwing it, I don't know. I mean, I would lean Chubb, but yeah. That's a tough one. Speaking of the offense, Baker Mayfield looks terrible. Awful. Like, Do not. Yeah. yeah, which... Yeah, I just want, I want zero part of that offense. Um, next, and this... And I actually have one of these players on my team is Dobbins or Mark Ingram of Baltimore backfield. You you pick one. For the rest of the season? The rest of the season. I think I've got to take Dobbin. And the reason being, he scored two touchdowns. Let's say that Mark Ingram is the main runner. But when you get down to the goal line, they put in Dobbins. Like it seemed like they did this past week. I didn't watch that game. But that was very puzzling to me. I love the talent in Dobbins. Unfortunately, I saw way too much of it at Ohio State as he was running rampant over Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is a really tough call. And truthfully, I want no part of either as a running back that I'm going to count on for the rest of the season. Because I think... It's just the total crapshoot of one week it could be this guy, next week it could be this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I... To me, this wasn't that difficult. I think it's Dobbins. I've kind of nicknamed him. This may be a bit exaggeratory, but I actually nicknamed Dobbins Camara 2.0 because I think he has that potential to have that kind of impact his rookie year that Camara had his rookie year. I know the first game... With Mark Ingram, by the way. Yeah, so it's actually pretty pretty close. Um, but yeah, I like Dobbins. I, I think his talent is a good bit ahead of Ingram. Ingram's getting a little bit older. Yeah, I just think Dobbins is going to end up being way more involved. So I think, to me, it's easy, Dobbins. Um, I know we touched on these players earlier... But would you rather have Jonathan Taylor or Neheim Hines? I think it's Naheem. Naheem. It's a tricky name. It is. Honestly, I'm buying both. And part of this goes back to Philip Rivers' day in San Diego, in which Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon were both fantasy-relevant running backs. Yep. I like them both, but until I'm proven otherwise, uh, I'm going to go with Hines, which I know is not the popular pick, but he looked amazing Sunday. And some of that may have just been the game script of the reality of where they had to move and how much they had to pass the ball. 
But I love what I bought from him, and he flashed it even last year. But I don't think you go wrong with either player. Yeah, I, I would agree that if you have either of these players, I feel comfortable playing them. If I had to choose one, I would lean Taylor just because I think the offensive line, they're going to run it, and I think that favors Taylor more when they get in the red zone goal line situations. I think it's going to be Taylor. Obviously, if they get behind in games, that really leans Hines' way. But I think overall, I would rather have Taylor. Um, Another one, another backfield. And I think this one, this may come across as, oh, this is obvious, but I think this has a lot more intrigue in it. Um, And it's Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers of the Rams backfield. I want Malcolm Brown for the rest of the season. And this is history. It's also what we saw Sunday night. When you got in the red zone and when you got to crunch time when they needed to close out the game, who was getting the ball? It was Malcolm Brown. And some of that could change as the season progresses, but I don't think it's going to change enough to shift who the number one fantasy player is going to be in that backfield, which is Malcolm Brown. I think the the thing I was actually surprised by is that he caught some passes Sunday night. And we really hadn't seen that in the past. So I really like Brown. I actually think he has a chance if they give him the ball enough to be a top 10 fantasy running. Mm, That's a bold statement. But I can see where you're coming from. But I, I'm actually viewing it from a different lens. I, if I had to pick one, I think I would pick Akers. I know week one, Brown had a great game. But I'm basing it off of Brown always seems to get nicked up, banged up a little bit. Um, I just think he's, I don't want to say due for an injury, but he just always seems to be banged up and on and off the injured list. And I think Akers given the opportunity for a couple of weeks to run it consistently could show his value and end up taking over the role. Um, yeah, I like Just Akers. Quick stat. Cam Akers, 14 rushes for 39 yards. One grab for four yards. So basically, you're just dunking on my decision to choose Acres. And here's Malcolm Brown. 18 for 79 and two touchdowns. Three receptions for 31. Hey, I hear what week one looked like, but we'll revisit in 16, 17 weeks and see where we're at. But I'm going with the unpopular opinion and going with Acres. And Malcolm Brown says to that, feed me. <laughs> we will see. We will see, but closing out um, this podcast, we're going to do what we did last week and what we will continue to do every week going forward in our fantasy league that me and John are in and, and a couple other guys um, is kind of make our picks for our league. In a little bit of review, I went 4-1 and one while John went 3-2. and two. Um, It was looking... It was looking like for a while that John would go 5-0, and um, but he had Dustin, 
got beat by point oh two, which even though that was possible, but it happened, um, which is I can't imagine losing your first week like that like that. Um, but yeah, so I head into this week with a one game with a one game edge. So we'll make our picks this week. We have a little more time than we did last week, thankfully, but not not too much more. First game. Edwards and Team Wallace. Um, honestly, I like my chances a little bit more before I heard the Chris Godwin news. is in concussion protocol. If I knew he was not in concussion protocol, I would take myself, obviously. But you know what? I'm still going to take myself because I have confidence <laughs> in my team. And there's no way Devontae Adams will do what he did last week. Um. Yeah, yeah. I I think I like my team. I like Jonathan Taylor moving him up into the flex. I think could have a potentially big week. Um. So yeah, I'm taking my team. As as much as it pains to, I've got to go with James as well. I don't love Austin Eckler against the Chiefs. Hopefully, Jedwards is paying enough attention to his team to make sure that all of his players are active for the game. Boy, ain't that the truth. Jeez. Odell Beckham looks like he should be on the waiver wire. <laughs> it's true. But, which is just a sad day. Um, but I like James's team better, even if Godwin doesn't play. Um, I'm taking James. Yeah. Yeah. You wised up this week. You went against me last week and it cost you. Should have known better. Barely. <laughs> hey, a win's a win. Um, now we'll go to your team and Hope, which I actually think this could be a de- decently close game. Um, I know Mixon for Hope didn't have a good week one, but change that against Cleveland, that will cure all your woes. So, I just, honestly, I can't get past his receivers. He's, I know Ruggs looked pretty good in game one. Paris Campbell, decent. Kittle, I think, may, if he does play, is going to be subpar. And, I, you, again, you're top of your lineup, McCaffrey and Zeke. Just so solid. So, and I think your receivers do enough, and I think you'll get the win. Well, thank you. I am going with my team as well, but I will give a shout-out to Hope that I actually think I'm very high on C.D. Lamb. I love C.D. Lamb. And actually, my bold prediction, my boldest prediction of the year is that C.D. Lamb will actually lead all Cowboys receivers in points scored by the end of the year. Wow. Hmm. Part of that is counting on Amari Cooper getting injured. Well, but pretty much guarantee that. But I've got to give a shout-out to Hope that I think Henry Ruggs has a good chance to be the best rookie receiver in the league. So when he when he was starting him out of the gates, I was like, that's a bold move. But they liked him. They were using him in a lot of different ways. Yeah, he's going to get the ball, there's no question. Next is Melvin versus Dustin. 
Dustin coming off the brutal loss. Um, I'm going to go with Dustin on this one. I think he brings home the win. I like Drake and David Johnson. Um, I know David Johnson against Baltimore, maybe not the best matchup, but Ridley going against Dallas, they're going to score points. Yeah, I I mean, Melvin's team, Aaron Jones, Gurley, solid. Receivers, you know, Cooper or Moore, Cup, okay. I just, they don't make me confident. So I, I got to go with Dustin on this one. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think for Crosby's team to beat the running, Mahomes has to go nuts. And uh, against the Chargers with that pass rush, it could be a challenge. So I'm taking Dustin as well. So far, we got the same. We got the same picks. First three. I think these last two though could be a little interesting. Luke versus Schutz. Um, actually, I think this is pretty easy. I'm going with Schutz. I just Luke's team. Besides Henry, I'm not a huge tough fan. I mean Hopkins, great week one. But besides Henry and Hopkins, Devontae Parker, Christian Kirk, Hunter Henry in there as a flex. I just can't get on board with that. And I like. Schutz has Kamara, Mostert, Hill, Thielen. I just I just think that's just too much for for Luke. So I was looking at Schutz's score from this past week, and I honestly thought to myself, it would surprise no one if he scored the same thing again this next week. Yeah. His team has that type of potential, top to bottom. I think Raheem Mostert was the steal of the draft at like seven dollars. Yeah. Uh, was really frustrated that I did not have enough money to get him. But uh, I definitely am picking Schutz, and Schutz may win, may win the league. Yeah, he's got a solid team. Lastly, we got just over a minute. Doolin versus Hilton. I'm going to go with. Mm, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to go with Hilton on this one. I think I just think Jacobs, Hines, Juju. I think Sanders is, and then he loses Michael Thomas. But I think Sanders has a good game. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Hilton on this one. I'm gonna take Doolin. Hmm. Our one di- different pick this week. Uh, also, guys, if you've got questions for us that you want us to pick between eight. Feel free to send them over. Which player we would choose for the rest of the year, or who we think you should start, send them in. Yeah. We'd love it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Any questions, comments, things you want us to talk about, address, we'd love to do it. Um, yeah. Again, wow, that was a fast 60 minutes. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to get to close this segment out um, without being cut off by my recording app. But yeah, it's a good time, John. Went by fast, man. Flies by. So yeah, so games start tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, I move to 2-0. We will see. But uh, thanks for listening. 
and we'll catch you next week.